Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Nanasonics Limited 2022 full year results and investor call. All participants are in a listen only mode. There will be a presentation followed by a question and answer session. If you wish to ask a question via the phones, you will need to press the star key followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. I would now like to hand the conference over to Mr. Michael Kavanagh, Managing Director and CEO. Please go ahead. Thank you very much, Ashley, and a very good morning, and thank you all for joining the call. I'm joined uh, by McGregor Grant, our CFO here at our new corporate headquarters at Macquarie Park in Sydney. Well, this morning you will have seen the release of our FY22 uh, full-year financial results and operational review which outlined a year of significant progress, both financially and operationally, as the business continues to invest in and execute on our growth agenda. There is a lot of information covered across all the materials released, so you've got the ASX release, the investor presentation, the annual report and sustainability report, so there's a lot of material to digest. But if I was to summarize down into sort of three key messages or three key takeaways, they'd be the first really is that importantly our growth momentum has returned to pre-COVID levels, especially in the second half of the year, and that bodes very well for our ongoing growth expectations. And this growth was across revenue, new install base, upgrades, and consumables. The second key message or takeaway is that during the year, and again, particularly in the second half, the company increased our capability and capacity to support ongoing growth through the successful change to a largely direct sales model in North America. We did continue to invest in our European and Asia-Pacific infrastructure as part of our geographical expansion plans. And of course, relocating to a new headquarters and manufacturing and R&D facility here in Macquarie Park, which gives us the, the capacity to develop, deliver, and support a broader product portfolio that we're planning to release internationally. And finally, the, the third takeaway uh, centers around our R&D. So in addition to the ongoing establishment of Trophon as standard of care, we certainly advanced our R&D program, in particular our new chorus technology for endoscope reprocessing. And it was very pleasing to have the chorus technology accepted by the FDA into their Safer Technologies program or STEP program which I believe is a recognition by the FDA that CARS technology could reasonably be expected to significantly improve uh, the safety of patients over current available treatments, which is one of the criteria to qualify for this new program. But a bit more on that later. So if I take each one of those top-line messages and go into a little bit of detail, first uh, across the growth momentum, from a total revenue perspective, uh, revenue for the year was 120.3 million. That was up 17% on uh, FY21. And while this result was previously announced uh, in July, it can now be looked at in the context of gross margin and OPEX for the year, both of which also came in favorably. Gross margin for the year was 76.4% uh, ahead of our February uh, 2022 guidance. 
Um, and this was mainly due to favorable pricing outcomes that we achieved in North America. Operating expenses for the year were 90.5 million, and these were below the anticipated 93 million uh, discussed in February. And some of that uh, savings was associated uh, with a management of our, our operating expenses, but timing related to um, hiring of uh, a number of headcounts. So overall, a, a good result, especially taking into consideration the foreshadowed one-off revenue impact in the second half that was associated with the transition to a largely direct sales model in North America that back in February, as you will remember, we estimated to be somewhere in the range of 13 to 16 million. So in that context, an, an excellent result. And just as a reminder, that 13 to 16 million, uh, that impact, that was primarily uh, associated with the fact that GE Healthcare in North America would run down their capital and consumable inventory as they transitioned to a non-stocking capital reseller as they transferred all their existing token customers to Nanasonics for ongoing provision of consumables, which they have now. So breaking that revenue down, as we do traditionally into capital and consumables, total capital revenue for the year was uh, 37.7 million. That was up 41% on prior corresponding period. And this increase over PCT really reflects the growth in installed base as well as upgrades but also the recovery from what was a significant reduction in capital sales to GE in the first half of FY21. Of course, that was related to the negative impacts of COVID-19 on new install based growth at that point in time. So overall, for capital revenue, a good result. From the consumables and services revenue, um, that was $82.6 million uh, for the year. That was up 8% on prior corresponding period. And the consumables and service revenue now represents approximately 70% of total revenue for the year. Um, and of course, the attractive, that's really highlights the attractive annuity revenue nature of the um, business. And what we did see on the consumable side is that as the COVID-19 restrictions ease during the year, again, especially in the second half uh, where hospital conditions improved, uh, we did see ultrasound procedure volumes returning to near pre-COVID levels. If I break um, the revenue results down by region briefly, well, in North America, the total revenue for the year was 106.9 million, so that was up 20% on, on prior corresponding period. Capital revenue in North America was 33.6 million. So that was up 58% on the prior corresponding period. And that was, again, associated with growth in, in IB upgrades, but also reflects what I just mentioned earlier uh, with respect to the impact that COVID had on sales to GE of capital uh, in the first half of FY21. So, but overall, a good result for capital in North America. It is worth noting as you've gone through the um, the results and there's a lot of detail for everybody in the investor presentation that while the installed base and upgrades units sold in the second half of the year increased indeed the strongest half we've had in over six halves um, capital revenue in the second half of 16.3 million was down six percent compared with the first half. Now that is primarily due to the transition to the revised North American sales model 
and GE Healthcare destocking and becoming a non-stocking capital reseller. So it's primarily associated with that, but very importantly, the installed base and upgrades did continue to grow very strongly in that second half. The consumables and service revenue uh, in North America was 73.3 million, again up 8% on, on prior corresponding period. And uh, in the second half, um, the consumables and service revenue was 36.3 million. So again, down 2% compared with the first half, but again, purely reflection of the impact of uh, GE Healthcare's de-stocking, as opposed to anything else out in the market. Um, moving across the pond, um, in the Europe and Middle East region, total revenue for the year was 7.5 million, so that was up 4% on the last year, um, with improvements uh, in the second half uh, or compared uh, to the first half, where revenue in the second half was 4.1 million. That was up 21% compared with the uh, first half. For capital revenue, again, when assessing capital revenue in EMEA, yeah, it's important to take into consideration that the majority of units that we place in the UK, which is our largest market in the region, they're under the managed equipment service model where no capital revenue is recognized. Um, so overall for the region, capital revenue taking those into consideration was 2.1 million, uh, which was down on the prior corresponding period. But again, a lot of that due to the sales mix. Uh, with the UK. Um, but there were other elements, of course, uh, in the European region um, that have to be taken into consideration. There were delayed easing of COVID-19 related market restrictions compared to what we saw in North America, coupled with other factors, including the uh, impact of sanctions on Russia, where we had been actively selling through distribution in Russia for a number of years. So a number of the sales that we had forecasted, um, especially in the second half of the year in Russia, um, did not go ahead. Uh, consumables and service revenue in EMEA, however, was 5.4 million. So that was up 20% compared with uh, the last year, and that reflects the ongoing growth in install base, as well as uh, the ultrasound procedures uh, volumes returning to near pre-COVID levels, again with the second half stronger um, than the first half. In Asia-Pacific, um, you remember that in the second half of FY21, we had a large upgrade order of 200 units with IMED Radiology, which is uh, the largest customer here in Australia. Um, now, such an order was not replicated in, uh, in, in FY22, and as a result of this, despite ongoing growth in new installed base, total revenue for the year of 5.9 million, just under 6 million, was down approximately 10, 12% compared with the prior corresponding period. We did see the second half stronger than the first, because as we all know here in Australia, in certain uh, states in, in Australia, there were restrictions throughout the year, and, but the second half was stronger um, with the, up, the overall revenue up at 3% versus the, the first half at $3 million. Our consumables and service revenue of $4 million, uh, it was actually the same as, as the prior year, but most of that actually relates to timing of shipments uh, to distributors. Um, and actual sales of consumables to end customers actually did increase 
in FY22 compared with FY21. Um, moving on to the installed base, um, the global installed base increased 12% to 29,850 units at the end of June. That's a, an increase of 3,100 units for the year. And as of today, the installed base is now over 30,000 units, which is a great milestone. Importantly, the install base increased uh, just under 1,700 units in the second half. So that was up 20% with uh, the first half. Um, and that second half installed base growth was the highest in over six halves um, because of the impacts of COVID. So, but again, giving very positive indications, we're back to pre-COVID growth momentum levels. Regionally, in North America, during the year, we reached a milestone of 25,000 units installed across over 5,000 institutions, really consolidating Trofon's position as standard of care. And by the end of the financial year, there were 26,130 units installed in North America. So that's an, an increase of 11% or 2,650 new units installed for the year in North America. We did see hospital access continue to improve throughout the year, and the installed base increased by just under 1,500 units, so 1,450 units in the second half, and that was up 21% compared with H1. Again, giving confidence of getting back to the run rate um, that we were getting in North America pre-COVID and we anticipate for the coming year. The North American installed base now represents approximately 45% of the estimated total addressable market of 60,000 units. But of course, the overall ultrasound market itself continues to grow with new ultrasound innovations coming into the market, such as wireless handheld probes being released. And our R&D team have developed an accessory to enable wireless probes to be decontaminated uh, in Trophon with the first of such accessories due to launch uh, sometime in the second quarter of this year. So plenty of opportunity for ongoing growth, uh, certainly in North America. In the Europe and Middle East region, the total install base increased by 21% to 1,820 units. So that was up uh, 310 units for the year. And as already mentioned, delays were experienced in the easing of COVID-19 related uh, market restrictions over there, as well as the impact of staff shortages uh, when the Omicron um, versions hit of COVID, um, in particular in the first half. Um, in the second half, market conditions did improve and new installed base across that region of 170 units was up over 20% over the first half. Um, during the year, we did continue our investment in the EMEA region, in particular our direct markets in the UK and Germany. And now with market restrictions and hospital access uh, markedly improved, our expectations are that in FY23, we'll see the first full year uh, since 2020 where the investments in this region can now be fully leveraged. In Asia-Pacific, the installed base increased 140 units for the year, with the total installed base increasing 8% to 1,900 units. 
In Japan, we expanded our local team in medical affairs activities as we continue to work with local authorities on establishment of local guidelines. Now, progress is being made in this area, and it was pleasing to see that the JSUM, or the Japanese Society for Ultrasound and Medicine, uh, publishing on their site a Japanese translation of the World Federation guidelines uh, which support high-level disinfection. And this is not an official guideline of JSUN, but a good indication they're going in the right direction. Our other um, geographical expansion activities for Asia-Pacific did also progress, where in China, the registration of our wholly-owned foreign enterprise, or WUFI, that was completed. And after significant delays, as everybody knows, in Shanghai, there were lockdowns um, due to COVID-19. Uh, the required local testing of the trophon device and consumables by the relevant state authorities. That has now commenced as part of our product registration plans. Um, moving over to upgrades briefly, as you know, upgrades represent a significant opportunity, and there are currently approximately 9,000 EPR, or the original trophon uh, EPR devices that are seven years old or older. And FY22 has really been the first year we have put a focus on upgrades considering the impact of COVID over the last two years, where we focused our efforts uh, on new installed base with the limited hospital access uh, in those periods. And pleasingly, there were a thousand upgrade units were sold in the year. That's up 130, about 135% compared with FY21. And again, we saw good growth momentum in the second half with upgrade unit sales up 50% over the first half. And this growth in the second half was not really anticipated as we were going through the GE transition in H2 and the majority of the upgrade opportunity uh, in North America is with GE, of course, or should say GE customers. But what was very pleasing, however, was the upgrade sales in the fourth quarter of the year, which represented nearly 65% of the, the total upgrade sales in the second half. Of those sales, the Nanasonic's direct team were responsible for nearly 90% of those sales. And this result really demonstrates the opportunity for Nanasonic's to further drive the upgrade strategy now that we have direct access to all telephone customers. So really a, quite a pleasing result on upgrades. The second method I mentioned was related to our ongoing investments and our expanded capability and capacity that we've developed over the year. And there still remains very significant opportunities for growth in what is a multi-billion dollar global infection prevention market. And we do have a very purposeful strategy to continue to invest for growth. Aligned with this, um, operating expenses for the year were 90.5 million, so that is up 28% on last year, but below the anticipated 93 million that was anticipated when we discussed it in February. Um, when thinking of the investment, I think it's important to appreciate that very attractive returns from these investments are expected over time, especially with annuity consumable business models, which of course Trophon is, as you know, and uh, chorus is intended to be. And if you look at our North American business, it uh, gives a very good indication being uh, an established, more mature market for us. 
And in that market, we're achieving operating margins have been in the range of 55 to 60%. So very attractive returns can be achieved. We're very confident in the directions that we're taking from an investment perspective. To give you a, a bit of a flavor of our OPEX breakdown, and you will find some details of this in the investor presentation, but importantly, the majority of our OPEX is focused on future growth activities. Uh, during uh, FY22, 43% of the OPEX was actually associated with market development activities across the regions, and the increase in these costs also included the additional investments we made in the second half, um, really in Q4, approximately just under a million, or 800,000 to expand the company's North American operations. 25% um, of the total operating expenses uh, were associated with the company's innovation program across the new Nanasonics course technology as well as ongoing programs across our other platforms in ultrasound reprocessing and cloud solutions. And then 32% of our total operating expenses relate to the company's infrastructure, including manufacturing and other headquarters support costs. And as you know, the uh, company did, we did move to new corporate headquarters, manufacturing and R&D facilities to support the ongoing growth. And we did incur additional costs of approximately one and a half million as a result of this relocation. And another significant element um, of our capability advances was the successful transition to a largely direct model in North America. And the transition to this new model has now been successfully implemented. The expanded North American teams in place, including the hiring of a number of members of the former GE high-level disinfection team, shipping volumes through the Nanasonics logistics facility in Indianapolis are up well over 100% in the last three months with no disruption in supply to customers and sufficient capacity in place to support expected future growth. Um, the team has also executed numerous new enterprise agreements with strategic accounts, integrated delivery networks, but many more due to be completed in the coming months. We've also established the necessary partnerships to enable selling to U.S. federal and government accounts where GE previously represented 80% of those sales to those accounts. So really our North American direct team is now well positioned to manage the overall growth strategy associated with new installed base, upgrade adoption, and consumables usage. And the business performance in Q4 in particular saw many of these benefits start to come to fruition. Uh, in that quarter alone, the Nanasonics direct team were responsible for 91% of the new installed base, together with just under 90% of upgrade sales, so doing a great job. And of course, the resulting deeper customer relationships now that we will have with the majority of North American hospitals and corresponding infrastructure expansion that we have put into North America also supports our planned product expansion beyond Trovon. And then finally, the third message related to our R&D program and advances in the course development. Um, in the last year, we invested 22.3 million uh, in R&D, which is up 30% compared with FY21. And many of you will understand that this is still a relatively small amount 
in the context of medical device development, especially when you're looking at capital equipment coupled with chemistry and software developments all combined. Um, but through the investments the company made this year, which are all expensed, the company, we have expanded our capacity and capabilities uh, with programs across our our various platform groups being the ultrasound reprocessing, endoscope reprocessing, and data through cloud solutions, as well as chemistry and our bioscience activities. And while there are a number of R&D programs underway, the central near-term program is associated with our new course platform, which as previously discussed aims to deliver a solution to one of the biggest unmet needs in instrument reprocessing, and that is processing failures of flexible endoscopes due to current limitations of manual cleaning, which ultimately then results in an increased risk of cross-contamination. Now, in the investor presentation, there are quite a few details about CORUS, um, but I'll highlight just a few here this morning. First of all, the CORUS technology uh, recently was accepted into the FDA Safer Technologies Program or STEP program. Now, this is a relatively new program introduced by the FDA, and products are only accepted into this program if they're reasonably expected to significantly improve the safety for patients over currently available treatments. And uh, based on the, the data that we provided and information we provided to the FDA all about Chorus, well, then we're very pleased. Um, that it was accepted into the STEP program. And the ultimate goal of STEP is to provide patients and healthcare providers with timely access to these medical devices by expediting their development assessment and review, whilst, of course, preserving the statutory standards for approval. We see this as a great acknowledgement that the CORUS technology could indeed be transformational, and whilst the regulatory approval process with the FDA will be a de novo uh, approval as expected because there is no predicate uh, for this new uh, technology having been accepted into the STEP program um, should help facilitate a much smoother uh, approval process through that de novo um, process. The investor presentation also gives some indication um, as to the types of results the core technology is designed to deliver. Um, in particular, biofilm removal from small channels in endoscopes, which is a significant hurdle today. Essentially, current manual cleaning is totally ineffective in biofilm removal, whereas CORUS is highly effective, and you see some slides in there demonstrating that in the investor presentation. But we also show that the CORUS technology can far surpass the current cleaning benchmarks recognized by regulators where it removes difficult soils to an order of magnitude better than industry-recognized cleaning benchmarks, including new alert levels that are defined by ISO standards. So it really does deliver significant improvements over what is achievable today. And finally, the potential market opportunity uh, for CORUS is significant. Strong fundamentals and standards already exist around the world for endoscope reprocessing. Uh, there are over 60 million procedures conducted annually, and that's growing at about 6% per annum, and that's across the U.S., 
the main European markets and Australia, so not including China, Japan, etc. And there are studies that have been published that demonstrate that the current costs associated with the cleaning set alone um, of a flexible endoscope can be anywhere between 11 US dollars and 37 US dollars, and Chorus aims to automate a significant proportion of that current manual cleaning. So the opportunity is large. And as previously communicated, the company we uh, continue to target progressive market introductions aligned with regulatory approvals with the first introduction targeted for calendar uh, 2023. And first release is likely to be in Australia and or Europe considering the um, de novo application process. But it is great we've got the STEP program uh, acceptance which should help facilitate through the de novo approval process with the FDA as well. Um, so a few final comments, then I'll hand over for questions. Briefly, it's worth noting on working capital that during the year, the company increased its inventory holding to 22.6 million. And this increase was driven by the need to carry more safety stock in response to increased supply chain risks caused by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And of course, the company's transition to a largely direct sales model in North America as well. And importantly, however, as a result of our current pandemic inventory policy, holding policy, there were no supply disruptions to customers. Um, we expect to maintain inventory at a similar level throughout FY23, and that really reflects the ongoing complexities with the global supply chain and the move to the direct model in North America. But once the supply chain risks reduce, however, then we can reassess our holding requirements, which can likely be reduced. Um, from a profit perspective, profit before tax for the year was 1.6 million. And that reflects the increased investments that people were aware we were making in the uh, growth agenda, as well as, of course, the foreshadowed impact in H2 on revenue uh, in North America associated with the move to a largely direct sales model. So finally, from a business outlook perspective, uh, you would see uh, we are targeting uh, good ongoing growth revenue uh, in FY23 with expectations of growth between 20 and 25%. Uh, our gross margin expectations are between 75 to 76%. But the ultimate gross margin will reflect, one, an increase in the proportion of capital revenue that we expect resulting from growth in sales of both new installed base around the world, but also now upgrade units. Um, the other impact is freight costs, which currently remain high, but if they improve, then of course our gross margin will benefit. And of course, we do have to take into consideration the potential impact of uh, inflation and supply constraints uh, in general on component costs. Uh, we do plan to continue our investments for growth. However, our operating expenses will grow less than the revenue growth with operating expenses expected to grow um, approximately between 15 and 18%. And again, the majority of that uh, increase uh, is expected to be weighted towards our ongoing market development as well as ongoing product innovation. Um, it is important, I guess, to state that whilst we have entered FY23 quite optimistic, naturally all this guidance is subject to ongoing uncertainty in relation to variability in market access conditions should COVID-19 
related measures change uh, in relevant markets and, of course, the broader economic and geopolitical uncertainties that's out there at the moment. So with that, I will now pause and hand over for any questions. Thank you. If you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. If you wish to cancel your request, please press star 2. If you're on a speakerphone, please pick up the handset to ask your question. Your first question comes from Lyanne Harrison with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Oh, hello, uh, Michael and, and McGregor. Um, thank you for taking my questions. If I could start with the GE healthcare arrangement, um, you know, I think it's great that the Nano team um, sold 91% of new units in in the most recent quarter. But I was under the impression from, from earlier announcements made you know, around February at the time the rebuy-seller arrangement was announced that um, GE would still play a more active role in selling the Trophon. Um, can you talk to that a little bit in terms of you know, what might have changed? Obviously, we understand that arrangements extended to, the, to financial year um, or to June 23, um, and what happens after that? Thanks for the question. Um, GE have uh, extended the contracts with, with Nanasonics, now as a capital reseller, and for a further 12 months and, and have ongoing access to the capital equipment. Uh, even prior to this change to the largely direct model, I think I have spoken in the past that our direct team were already generating probably upwards of 70% of the GE demand for install base anyway, because we were a much larger group out there. But the the actual sales ended up trans, um, being transacted through GE. Moving forward, what our expectations are, and quite frankly our desire, is that we'll continue to partner with GE Healthcare, where our expanded team now will provide support where necessary to their ultrasound sales team. So if their ultrasound sales team need access to Trophon to bundle with, with uh, a sale of Trophon of one of their ultrasounds, or indeed if um, they're in just um, talking with their existing ultrasound installed base and they require an infection prevention solution, well then they will call in our team to, to provide the support that they used to get from the HLD team um, with GE. And when we go in and do that support, what we expect is that the transaction will, even though it may have been generated by GE, the transaction will very likely still go through Nanasonics. And the reason for that is that A, Nanasonics will be responsible for the shipping of the device to the customer, the installation of the device to the customer, and the ongoing sales of consumables to the customer. So it's very likely that a transaction will go through GE. Um, so, but GE still have the option to oh, go through Nanasonics, I should say. Um, but GE still very much have the option to have access to the capital and uh, to be able to do the, to the transaction directly. Um, can I just follow up on that? So if the transaction goes through Nanasonics, what yeah. incentive then is there for GE to, um, you know, to support the sales of a Trophon when they're making that ultrasound sale? Oh, it, it all comes down to what their customer requirements are. Um, there's no financial, real financial incentive. Um, 
unless they transact themselves and we'll sell to GE at a, a price where they could make a margin, but even though we'll be shipping it, etc. But the ultimate driver will be their customer requirements. Um, if the customer requires an infection prevention solution, then we'll be the company for them to call on. Okay. Thank you. And if I could move then on to consumables. So I'm trying to estimate um, what the consumables revenue exit growth rate was, um, you know, toward the end of financial year 22. And so, you know, understand that it was lower because of GE running down the inventory. But can yeah. you give us a sense of what that might have been without that, um, I guess, that GE blip? Um, it's, it's hard. I mean, year on year, there's growth, obviously. The revenue that we get is was impacted because of all the transition, as you rightly point out, where they didn't do any restocking. But in terms of units going to market, I think to end users, there was definitely growth year on year and even in, in the second half. Um, I think moving forward, what you'll see now in consumables um, revenue, in particular in North America, will be a much it'll be much more tightly correlated with um, the actual market demand, so you won't have those uh, complications associated with the inventory that you've been trying to navigate over the last number of years. But in depth, I don't have the exact growth figure at the top of my head, but um, it's certainly, um, you know, probably in the order of uh, 7 to 10 percent. Thank you very much. The next question comes from Chris Cooper with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Thanks very much. Um, just on the gross margin, Michael, if you don't mind. So, so, so when you announced the new arrangement, um, you obviously indicated the gross margins were expected to go up from, from the end of fiscal 22. Uh, you did also say you achieved better pricing outcomes this year than you expected, but you're now guiding to a further contraction of gross margin in 23. Can I just understand um, the, the moving parts there and whether the expectation is that you get back to that sort of 77, 78, 79% level that you had been foreshadowing earlier in the year? Oh, I don't think I was ever foreshadowing us getting up to 79 early in the year, but the, the ultimate goal over time, uh, Chris, is that we will get back to gross margins like that. The, the, big, the, the big driver is, is will be on capital mix. Um, and as we're going to be selling more um, upgrades, and because the margin on the capital equipment is lower than the consumables, um, as well as selling more installed base, well then that will have some impact on the mix. The other big impact though is still freight. And I think, uh, you know, like all companies, we're still being impacted on freight costs. So. That's why we were sort of guiding to that between 75 and 76. But once, if, if freight can be normalized, um, I think we'll um, benefit, we, we certainly will benefit from that. Okay. Um, on Chorus, uh, well, can you just confirm that the product design stage has finished here? The wording I found was a little unclear on, on, on the materials in, in the deck. Um, but also just on your expectations for U.S. approval, I guess it sounds like this could be some way out now that de novo has been confirmed. 
how are you thinking about the design of that trial? It sounds like you have been in discussions with the FDA. You provided them with some data. What endpoints do you think are going to be needed? And what is your best guess for U.S. launch at this point? Yeah, I'm not going to try and, and put a, a specific date on a U.S. launch. Uh, it certainly will be de novo. Uh, we'd like to think by virtue of the fact we've been accepted into the STEP program that um, um, the STEP, you, it, it's almost like a concierge program where um, in, normally with de novos you've got stops and starts as you're asking questions, whereas with the STEP being part of the STEP program, that can help facilitate a much smoother uh, process through the de novo. In terms of clinical trials, we've not done the external clinical trials yet that are going to be required for the de novo, but they're in plan for the, the calendar year. And the um, so, but our expectations are because it is de novo, it can take a little bit longer than a 510k. And remember, it's a de novo because there is no predicate. And being no predicate. Um, means in one sense that it's a totally new technology where we will now set the benchmark. Um, so it, it likely will be in Australia and or Europe that may be first and then, you know, but we wait and see based on the timings of the submission to the, the FDA with the de novo and how smooth that process goes. Okay, so to just clarify that, so um, the, the, the product has been finished, but it, it's no longer in design phase, and the clinical trials you said are in plan for the calendar year, that's 2022 or 2023 still, calendar year? I mean, you, you'd understand, um, you know, in, in, in finishing a product to have it ready to go to market, there are many dimensions to it. So there's still some optimization that we're doing in parts of the design uh, to make sure from a manufacturability and serviceability perspective. There's elements associated with the manufacturing setup. There's, there's all the tech systems that have to be designed and implemented in for manufacturing. There's the procurement and supply chain, which is all, the, remember, this is not trophon, these are all new components. Um, so there's still dimensions that have to be still completed. That's why, you know, we're still saying calendar 23. There's still work to be done, but in terms of product, that we're comfortable um, delivers the outcomes that it's designed to deliver. Yes, we, we, we have that, and um, I look forward to, to spending a bit of time with you and bringing you through some of the, the data that's in the investor presentation, which is quite impressive. Got it, and, and so those optimization uh, procedures will be completed, uh, and you'll be moving into clinical trials, you said, in calendar year 2022. Oh, so in the calendar year, between 22 and 23, I'm not going to go into absolute details on the specifics. So I think the, the best thing to do is, is just to, you know, as we said in the past, we're still targeting calendar year 23. That's still the uh, that's still the goal. Okay, thanks. And just very final question: um, it, it, You guided to a sort of 13 to 16 million uh, revenue hit in the second half of 22. Can I just confirm? It's not a perfect science, but is that broadly where you think it came in? And uh, you know, by extension, do you think the GE still has any inventory left as of 1st of July? Yeah, no, GE don't have any inventory left. And um, probably under the 13 to 16 million, probably um, on the lower end of that. So it'd be favorable. Got it. Thank you for the help. Thanks, Chris. Your next question comes from David Lowe with JPM. Please go ahead. Um, thanks. Maybe if we could just stay on that topic. I mean, I, admittedly, I've used a, a 
big a destocking impact. But I mean, when I ran the calculations, if we stripped that destocking effect out of FY22, the, the revenue guidance for FY23 looks relatively light on, particularly given the momentum that we see in the install base and, and frankly, the opportunity and upgrade sales. Just sort of wondering whether there's anything else that I'm not thinking about there. No, I think a, a 20 to 25% growth is a pretty, pretty stellar. I mean, we're, we're looking at, remember, what we're trying to do is to get back in, in North America to the the, the 2,800 to 3,000 new IV um, per annum over there. And based on the second half, we sort of should be back to that run rate. Um, based on the upgrades, we, um, you know, we should obviously have growth in upgrades again in um, the the uh, in the United States, and obviously we're anticipating good growth in in um, in Europe as well, as long as the markets remain um, the market conditions remain favourable. So uh, you know, I think if you if you look at 20 to 25 percent, it's it's not insignificant. Remember, a lot of the consumables make up also 70 percent of the growth. So a lot of the consumables revenue that will come through from that will come through over the the, the period, the full period of the 12 months, you won't get the 12 months effect of that growth in the install base from day one. So all up, when we did all our modeling, we thought somewhere between 20-25% growth is is uh, a decent growth rate. No, no, I don't disagree. 20-25% is a good growth rate. Maybe my logic is flawed, but what, what I did is I said as a starting point, there's $13 million of de-stocking revenue in FY21, sorry, 22. So if we add that back, it implies only a 10-ish percent growth rate. Maybe I'm not thinking through it logically. Oh, when we catch up, uh, yeah, we can do that. Never mind. Um, I'll, I'll move on. Catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, just on one other question, then on the chorus device. I mean, you've you've talked about there the. The cost of cleaning today at 11 to 37 dollars. I'm sure you're not going to want to give us full detail, but am I right in assuming that the cost with the chorus device all going to plan would be comfortably below that level or below the low end of that range? Well, I think the message to take away from that 11 to 37 dollars, you know, along with 60 million procedures, is that the the market opportunity is significant, and um, you know bringing a, a transformational automated uh, technology to market where the fundamentals as in those markets are quite different to what they are in Tropa. I mean, every major market around the world, you've got standards and requirements. People are already um, you know, having to reprocess and clean and de decontaminate uh, endoscopes. So it really, that was to give an indication that the market is a significant market Today, we're not necessarily divulging what the cost per cycle with cars is going to be, um, but it will be beneficial for customers. Okay, thank you. Look, my, my only other point of question, just perhaps from McGregor. Um, so, OPEX came in a little short. I heard the commentary about uh, something to do with some, some degree to do with timing of uh, bringing in new staff. Should we assume that the OPEX guidance for this year is a bit front-end weighted as those staff come on, or is it more likely to be sort of equal through the period? It's going to be fairly even throughout the year. We do not, um, we're not adding significant uh, headcount uh, throughout FY23, so we expect that to be fairly evenly weighted throughout the year. 
Okay, great. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Josh Kanarakis with Darren Joey. Please go ahead. Morning. <clears throat> Morning, Michael McGregor. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, good. Thanks very much for taking my question. Um, firstly, just on the chorus, in terms of the go-to-market, and I know that you can't say too too much, and you, thanks for the extra detail that you've provided. Have you been in consultation with some of the OEMs in the market in terms of the endoscope um, players? And I'm just interested in how you sort of see us thinking about maybe distribution for that product. Um a good question, and, and your first statement was very, was was correct. <laughs> we're, we're not really going to go into the, the details around the commercialisation strategy, but as you can imagine, the we anticipate that the the channel strategy for Chorus, just like Trophon, will be a, a mix of direct partnerships, whether that's with OEMs or other relevant distributors, etc. Um, will be will be determined, but uh, there, there will be a mix of models as we go around the world. Okay, understand. Um, and, and just with regard to the in terms of pricing across you know consumables and uh, the capital sales, could you give us a little bit more context just around what we saw across the different regions and period, and how we should be thinking about that on a go forward basis in terms of any other further annualization benefit or cost recoverability of inflation impact? Um, obviously, now that we're more direct in or largely direct in, in North America, we've got favorable pricing uh, moving forward, and that's part of the, the 20 to 25% growth projections that we've put out. Um, there has been some price increases, but um, you know, not wholesale price increases to offset all inflationary measures at this stage um, and freight costs, etc. Um, but there, there will be some favorability in pricing, which is all built into that 20 to 25%. Got it. And final one for me, just around North America, thanks for noting the uh, profitability there. I think you mentioned the sort of 55% um, operating margin. How should we be thinking about, I guess, some of the other regions uh, at maturity and should we be using that as an example? I, well, I guess that's the intent why we put that in there is when you've got markets, especially in direct markets, um, where you know the fundamentals are strong and we're working towards all of that in all of the major markets we're going into now, um, and you know you've got the sort of growth rates that we've seen in North America. Well, then our expectations is that we can generate similar sort of um, operating margins. So it's uh, you know. That, that's why those investments that we're making are really important because with this a consumables business and the new stream revenue business that we have, the operating margins can be quite significant. Great. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. Your next question comes from Martin Jacobs with Canical Genuity. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys. Congratulations on a, on a pretty good result in tough circumstances. Um, so just to start off with, with the new sales model, you're now at about um, 44% penetration in North America. How much scope do you think there is for optimization within existing customers? And does the upgrade cycle play much into that? Um, I think there certainly there is upgrade 
playing into it. That's a lot being sold base. I mean, there's over 9,000 units now that are over seven years or older out there, and we will we, we now be able to have a focus on, on upgrades that we have um, all customers are now Nanasonic's customers. Um, the other part, I think, over time is the, you know, education continues to be a cornerstone of our, our marketing efforts. Um, and when you, you look at the, um, all the different types of ultrasound procedures that confer semi-critical status on a probe and therefore requires high-level disinfection, there's still a lot of education to do there which could ultimately result in a, an increase in consumables usage. So there, there definitely is an opportunity to, to optimize usage but optimize adoption of Trophon because you know, when we, when GE was selling into certain accounts, they may have just sold, you know, one or two units into a particular department associated with the sale of uh, an ultrasound. Whereas when we go into an account, we're agnostic of the ultrasound type, but also we'll optimize based on reviewing that whole department as opposed with respect to their on needs. So if they originally had two, they, they probably needed seven or eight. So there's an opportunity to grow install base um, through the existing install base as well. Um, so there, there's certainly the benefits of going direct, I think we'll, we'll start to see uh, coming through even more uh, in FY23, just like we, we saw they started to come through in the fourth quarter. So would you expect accelerating growth in upgrade units in 23? Um, it's up a little base if you're looking at it on a relative. I mean, we certainly expect more than a thousand units going out in North America next year. Right. And um, so, what hurdles do you, in regard to Europe, what hurdles do you think are left to overcome to, to generate sort of material uplift? It's, I mean, the great. I mean, the good thing about. Um, North America is a large homogeneous market, whereas in Europe we're dealing with lots of uh, individual markets that are at different stages. So, you know, some are doing well, the UK and Germany coming online, and others have more development to, to do in terms of education. So it's, to us it's just a matter of time. I mean, a lot of the guidelines are in place. The automation is certainly favored. Whites are, are certainly being discounted now in, in a number of markets where they're not being accepted as appropriate for high-level disinfection. So the fundamentals are certainly improving. And as I said, you know, the last two years we've been significantly impeded in market access to strengthen those, whereas this year, assuming that the market conditions, you know, positive market conditions continue and, you know, with the caveat that they've still got to come into the Northern Hemisphere winter, who knows what's going to happen. But assuming that they continue, this will be the first year that we'll be able to have the first full year of the field force out in the field, highly active, engaged on front of customers. So we'd like to think that we'll get a good return this year on that. Now, just a couple more from me. So you provided some detail on the feedback regarding Order Pro and um, ISO accreditation coming. Yeah. Can you see evidence that Order Pro is actually helping you sell Trufon and, and into the broader ultrasound market? Can you see that evidence here? Oh, not not yet. Uh, a bit too early, and um, you know, the certainly in in the. Um, 
for all the quotes this year, we focused on the lot of initial accounts and um, some some of those quite important luminary accounts. Um, the, I, I would say the transition with GE did impact a little bit on, on what we were doing with Audit Pro, but also the ISO 27001 accreditation uh, is going to help a lot in terms of um, you know, answering all the necessary questions hospitals need before they implement new IT solutions or IT-based solutions into their into their networks. Um, so, at this stage, early days, um, not seeing the impact on on Trofon just yet, but uh, we certainly believe moving forward that that uh, it, it will, and not only will, but could um, help on the consumable side as well. Right. And last one, with regards to the new facility which you've just moved into, what, what's your starting spare capacity with that place? Because you've got oh, metrics we, around the size impact or the size increase. Oh, we see that this facility will, will see us through for at least five years. Um, you know, from a from a manufacturing capacity, pending capacity in manufacturing to support ongoing growth of Trophon capacity for for chorus and potentially other other um, things as well. And you know, from a headquarters head office perspective, there's there's certainly capacity for ongoing growth in staff. Now, we're not anticipating large growth in in staff locally here in Australia headquarters. Um, most of the um, headcount growth um, for FY23 will be out in the regions. Okay, great. Thanks very much. Okay, I've got time for one more question. Thank you. Your last question comes from Raymond Jang with A Rich Life. Please go ahead. Thank you. In terms of um, disruption risk, um, what do you see as the biggest threat to Trofon and traditional chemical-based high-level disinfection methods? Well, I think what Trofon has done from a chemical base is it, it moves um, the industry away from some of the toxic aldehyde chemistries to um, you know our hydrogen peroxide-based chemistry, but importantly, the mechanism of action being um, and the, how the technology works, being very environmentally friendly. Um, you know, I think there's a, a the, the hydrogen peroxide being broken down to oxygen and water in a cycle, and we, it's only a very small amount that's used per cycle. We don't see a major disruption to chemistry-based, as opposed to more a move towards more environmentally friendly chemistry-based, because chemistry has. Um, certainly numerous benefits over alternative mechanisms. I mean, you can, for example, you can't have heat-based with sterilization because a lot of these medical devices just would not, would not survive um, the high temperatures and high pressure required, like in all the clouds, etc. So we're not seeing, we're certainly not seeing any major disruptions um, you know, associated with moves away from chemistry, as long as that chemistry that, that's provided is environmentally sustainable. Thanks for that. Appreciate the answer. 
Okay, well, thank you all um, very much for again attending this morning. As I say, there's a, a, a lot of information that has been posted, and I'm sure, in particular in the investor presentation, um, there may be many of the questions. If there were more questions, may be answered by going through that. But uh, I look forward to catching up with uh, a number of you as the week progresses. Thanks very much. That does conclude our conference for today. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.